You're listening to Irish Radio Canada's Home and Abroad, and the Irish Film Festival is coming up here in Ottawa the weekend of the uh, 23rd, 4th, 5th. And uh, one of the movies, and I'm really looking forward to seeing it, is Cardboard Gangster. Cardboard Gangster has been out now since uh, 2017, uh, an Irish crime film based in Darndale, Dublin, and it stars John Connors, Damien Dempsey, Fiona Hewitt, uh, Tamley Kirsten, and uh, I see Fionn Walton is in there as well, and directed by Mark O'Connor, and I'm honoured to have John Connors on the phone with me. John, thanks a million for coming on and uh, agreeing to have a chat. No, what awesome. Glad to have you. Um, I see you were born in London in 1990 and you moved over to Dublin when you were 11 months old, so you've got the dub accent, you've, you're a dub. Oh, yeah, well, I'm not really patriotic to any county. I think tribalism was one of our biggest faults, but I'm a proud Irish man. Right. Well, that's good. That's good. And prior to Cardboard Gangsters, you have a solid acting career under your belt at this stage. Yeah, well, I've been kind of knitting away in it the last few years. I've been trying to get some work done, you know. But, um, you know, the film industry is an industry all about procrastination, which I try to avoid, you know. Right. And you are not just an actor, but you're also, you've done documentaries and uh, screenplays. Yeah, I like to write. Um, like in between acting jobs, if you've nothing to do, really writing. Writing is something that you can do no matter what. You don't need a yes from somebody. So, and then documentaries is something that just happened naturally because I started getting some fame in Ireland, and um, you know different opportunities were kind of coming my way, and I just thought I'd use it in uh, in how I see fit, basically. Now, John, to give a little bit of background, and I'm going to let you give your own background on your life, your upbringing, because it is very much an influence on um, who you are today and some of the family issues um, are what motivate you for some of your activism. Yeah. So, tell us a little about... Sorry, tell us a little about your upbringing. Um, well, I grew up in Kulak, North Dublin. Um, I grew up mostly life in a camp, in a campsite. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, I suppose growing up being a traveller, um, you know, I soon kind of found out my my place in the world, you know, in in Ireland and Irish society. So I suppose as I got older, I became more politically aware um, I, and we eventually moved into a house. I realised that by me moving into a house was um, basically a stimulating, which was the official state policy in Ireland for a long, long time regarding travellers, and they wanted us to assimilate and and, and and cease to be. So when I became more politically aware, and looking through my family history, like I've, some of the greatest traveller activists and some of the first ever were all people in my family, my grandmother, my grand-aunt, grand-uncles, all the Donoghue families and McCann's. And uh, I thought I'd have to move back into the camp to preserve to preserve who I am, basically. And, um, yeah, I suppose I just got into acting as a way to um, battle depression. Um, I was going through a bad phase in my life, and my brother suggested acting because I was a big fan of films. So um, I went to my first acting class in the Abbey School, and uh, fell in love with it and found that I had a knack for it. And I suppose ever since I've been just approaching it as a storytelling way, which is the essential part of our our culture as travellers and also just as Irish people 
in general. So when I approach a role, I approach it in the way as how can we tell the story the best, the best and suppose the most communicative way. Now, John, you mentioned mental health as a challenge, and fortunately, I listen to RTE a lot, and I hear there's quite, I would have to say, an open discussion regularly in Ireland in this day and age about the challenges relating to mental health and the ability to express that you suffer from it and that that does not become a barrier, I think has improved in Ireland. Would that be true? Yeah, it has improved. Now, it hasn't gone far enough because I think it's more, it's not just about that we're talking more. I think we're talking about talking more. You know what I mean? I think that's kind of the stage we are. We're talking about talking more. Um, but nevertheless, there's a lot less stigma, you know. Um, like, I still find it hard, um, but that's why I do it. That's why I talk about my own, what I went through, my family and my father who who uh, committed suicide when I was eight. I do that to highlight uh, the problems. Uh, mental mental health is a real issue in Ireland, and among travellers even more so. 11% of travellers die by suicide, seven times higher than the national rate. So I'm in a position where there are travellers looking at me, so... There's that spotlight, so I try to use it for something positive like that and let them know that it's normal to talk about your feelings like this. Because people are dying, you know, they're dropping like flies at true suicide. I think it's an epidemic. And John, when you then try to talk, particularly to teenagers, because the most, I think, at high risk tend to be young males between probably the ages of about 14 and maybe 30. Yeah. Within your own community, because you have been able to achieve what you have achieved within uh, acting do you find that people are willing to sit down and open up to you or listen to you and as a result recognize that they may have the ability to take some degree of um a step towards helping themselves yeah yeah well one of my documentaries that on i am traveler the first one i done that's what we done we went around talking to men about mental health and young men in particular, and definitely, that was definitely a, an advantage I had, um, coming from where I'm coming from, but also the fact that I was approaching them still in a real traveller way, not not uh, putting on a different accent, not, they could, they could still see I'm just one of them, you know what I mean, I haven't changed one, but I haven't changed myself to please anybody or to get on, so even that more so than the, the fame or the or the, the achievements, uh, that's why you're able to kind of more reach out to me, so I think it's getting better, it is getting better, but, um, you know, I think that in regards to, you know, travelers, I think there needs to be, you know, from a government approach, there needs to be more more money pumped into the community, and like uh, travel accommodation, uh, and let's just say travel accommodation would definitely be one of the one of the reasons, uh, one of the reasons contributing to the suicide rate, because people live in third world conditions, and I think that's just basic psychology. If you don't have a good roof over your head and facilities, your mental health will suffer. Well, traveller accommodation, the budget has been cut by 94%, and, and traveller funding all overall has been cut by 90%, and the community are really feeling it. And one of the areas they're really feeling it is with mental health services, and that's something that has to be improved as well, you know. So you mentioned that you went to acting school at the, your brother encouraged you. Um, was that intimidating, first of all, to, to try and take that step? Because in a way, that's stepping into the world of the settled community. Well, even more so, the, the upper class community um, 
because that's uh, acting is um, acting on the film industry is, the, is an elitist industry in Ireland, in Britain, and in, even in America. You know, less so in America. It's less about class, I suppose, in America than it would be in Ireland and Britain anyway. So yeah, it was it was intimidating, definitely. But my sort of anger. And because uh, I was very angry at the time, and anger and, and depression are closely linked. My ang- uh, anger kind of superseded any other emotion, and I was able to sort of get through the first night of the class. And I came out of that with, um, feeling like there was a weight lifted off my chest. And, uh, you know, that's basically a result of the creativity that I never really experienced before. And then it just sent me down at this kind of rabbit hole that I've been going down ever since. You know, when you mentioned that it's kind of the upper class would be in, in the arts, the irony of it is, of course, I would suppose, is that many people who choose the arts as a, a means of earning their living end up struggling despite their background because the arts doesn't pay well. Yeah, that's right, actually. <coughs> I think there's a statistic. If you look at um, L.A. and Hollywood, there's uh, like a half a million actors and only um, only 1% make a, make a living. So that'll give you an idea. So it's not an easy game. It's definitely not. And in an industry like Ireland, it's not easy because it's only a small industry. If you were, you know, just to depend on the Irish industry, you're not going to do pretty well, you know. And that's why I, I also try to write and, and uh, direct and do documentaries. We need to make uh, ends meet as well, you know. But to have, to have the kind of be finger in different kind of pies and different, different uh, you know, because if you're waiting for a yes all the time as an actor, you're not going to get to create very often, you know, so... Definitely try to find different avenues of creativity and uh, different avenues of pay, uh, pay, you know. Right. So let's talk about some of the movies and lead up to Cardboard Gangsters. You were in Stalker? Yeah, I was in Stalker, yeah. That was my second film. My first film was King of the Travers and uh, on, on the set of King of the Travers, myself and the director, Mark O'Connor, talked about two different ideas we had. I was talking about um, an idea in relation to mental health and kind of inspired by my father's story. And he was talking about um, this fellow he met in Ranala in Dublin, who was kind of a, a bit of a stalker. So we kind of we, we we decided to do something uh, different, and um, we decided to write some write a script in a couple of weeks, crowdfunded, which was the very first crowdfunded, do it on a really tiny budget, uh, in an experimental way, the whole way up to distribution. And that was stalker. We met it on fifteen grand, and um, we met it just after King of Travels, just a couple of months. And uh, it was a great success critically. Actually screened just a few days ago on the Crackfest, although it was made five, six years ago now. So yeah, yeah. So it was, a, you know, that was a great. Um, it was kind of a great learning point for me as well. So would you say, as a result of Cardboard Gangsters, that something like Stalker is coming back and a little bit of attention being paid to it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I, I, I because I'm, I'm in it. Peter Coonan, who was in Love Hate, is in it, and then Barry Keoghan, who is now, you know. I mean, Hollywood alias, or he, that was his first proper meaty role. So uh, that film, I suppose, was resurrected for that reason. Right. And you were in The Secret Scripture? I was in The Secret Scripture, just a small part with Jim Sheridan, but uh, it was a great learning experience. And how, like, it was one of the bucket list ones for me to work with Jim Sheridan, you know? So just to get on that and see how he works on set. It's a master of his craft, you know? Right. And, of course, um, then uh, you had... Um, the Wild Goose Lodge, The Legend of Harry and Ambrose, and um, since Cardboard Gangsters, what, you've worked on Broken Law of Attraction? Yeah, well, that actually haven't, that, that, that's not finished yet. There's been a bunch of others as well, and Charlie, all the shorts and features and whatever, yeah. And all just, I suppose, 
it was uh, yeah, nice build up the Carver Gangsters, which was the personal film for me being the writer on it and that. And um, yeah, I suppose it helped me learn because um, you know I need to have I need to have me I needed to have me stuff together for Carver Gangsters. Right. Really fifteen months do it and a real real sort of struggle because of that. You know, and there's a lot of a lot of heavy content and a lot of set pieces, a lot of speaking roles, forty eight speaking roles to do in fifteen days was a challenge, but um, we managed to get it over the line. You know. Right. And I see you did one in Irish with uh, Plodgy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I did that. That was uh, that was um, a few years ago now in TG Carr, yeah? Me and uh, Michael Collins, the actor, we uh, played father and son on it. And we basically used a bit of gammon, which is our language, which is our language in it. And uh, so we had a bit of fun, you know. And how is Cowell and Gaelgar, or Lawn Gaelgagas? I'm not the best. I, I I am not the best, but uh, that's me excuse. I know the gammon, which is their own language as well. So, um, so talk to me. Yeah. When you say your own language, yeah, the traveller community is fairly well dispersed, I suppose. And I say that like it's, you're scattered. So how often are would you tend to have the opportunity, or would you tend to use your own language? Every single day, um, our language would be in a sense, a lot more successful than the Irish language because the Irish language is probably just spoken about, you know, by about three or 400,000 people, whereas every traveller alive speaks some degree of the gammon or the cant, whatever way, depending on where you come from in Ireland, you call it a different thing. So they would speak different degrees of it. So that would be, you know, just a you know, couple, 20, 30 words, or hundreds of words, you know what I mean, or more. And the older people would speak it completely good, fluently, obviously. So it's still it's still a very successful language. It survived, you know. I I really believe that language is what defines a, a culture. Having your language helps give that definition to culture. Absolutely, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us now about Carver Gangsters. Yeah, well, Carver Gangsters. Yeah, was when I got into acting. I think actually the first night I done that class, I thought about writing and writing something and I thought you know because of where I come from in Darndale where kind of you know gangland culture is, is rife I thought I was in a position to write something that's realistic you know and just the experiences that I had and stuff that I saw so uh, it kind of took took a few years to get up the courage of the writing and a couple of years later I kind of suggested it to Mark O'Connor this idea I had for for a film and he said you should write that man and you should direct it so I went ahead and wrote it and uh, I sent it to Mark, and he read it, and he liked it, and then I kept, kept rewriting it, rewriting it for a few years. And eventually, I asked Mark to direct it because I wanted to play the character, the lead role. And he came on board as a director, and he said, look, I'd like to do some rewrites as well, to kind of sharpen up certain aspects of it that I think that someone that's not from this place would think is interesting. So he did that, and um, yeah, so we went on the, on the road looking for funding, and we kind of got messed over by producers and people leaving us, and... Eventually we so we got rejected by the film board, but eventually we received funding from BAI and Film Base and TV Tree and Egg Post Production, and uh, we were able to make the film on a shoestring budget in uh, doing a 15-day shoot. So me and the group of actors who were in my gang um, um, lived together for seven weeks in my house in Darnell, uh, which was very important because you know doing a thing on just 15 days, you had to build that level of uh, camaraderie and uh, and chemistry and not just that level of rehearsal so that you know we didn't have a lot of takes so we had to be just kind of on, on point 
So yeah, the production went ahead, and you know the people of Darndale got involved, and activists got involved in Darndale, and the kids and everybody. And we used everything in the film, you know, used a lot of people and people from Darndale and smaller roles, and everyone who was an extra was from Darndale. And of course, the film ended up getting a great reception. We uh, we won seven awards in Manchester Film Festival. We won Outstanding Achievement in Foreign Film in Newport. We were the biggest box office hit of the year. Number one DVD, number one on YouTube and Sky on Demand. So, like, exceeded all expectations, to be honest. If someone is looking at this, and without saying that this is Darndale, but how close to reality of certain situations, because as you say, given your experience and your knowledge and everything else, some of what people are going to see on the screen is the reality of life for people. Absolutely, yeah, it's definitely, it's the most realistic um, betrayal of gangland culture in Ireland anyway, a film in Ireland, that's a fact, it's not a brag or whatever, that's just a fact, and because anybody else who's been involved in that sort of genre, we're not in a position to uh, show what it really is like, so, uh, and I've, I, I screened in a Mount Jai prison, uh, and some of the main, like, gangsters in Ireland were there, one or two in particular who were pretty infamous, if I dropped their name, you'd know them, and one of them told me this is the most realistic portrayal, he, portrayal he's ever seen. And he said, that's how it is, you know. And um, everybody kind of, uh, and the, but in Mount Jai, they kind of, they respected the film and they respected, um, they respected, um, you know, the message as well, and uh, but how it was not done in a preachy way, uh, but also how it didn't glorify, you know. They just got, they just got that, uh, that fine balance. And as a result of the movie, John, <coughs> gangland culture, it's, uh, you talked about mental health issues. Um, the pressures that must surround those who live that type of life must also be horrendous and contribute to what would be mental health issues. And also some of these people potentially already have mental health issues. Yeah, of course. But also, like, you know, anywhere where there's poverty comes crime. And, you know, that's just the fact of life. So where you have a community who are disenfranchised, and um, don't have a lot of opportunities. Your opportunities become smaller and smaller and smaller. And some of them, you know, opt to uh, get into this life of crime, thinking that it's, you know, it's a way of gaining respect and, um, you know, money and uh, materialistic things and power. Uh, so not everybody that gets caught up, you know, are bad people, or at least they don't start out like that. But, uh, you know, and that's not to sympathize with, you know, the real harsh gangsters, because, you know, you know some of them are just bad people. But, uh, you know, it's a very complicated, it's a very complicated life, you know, and uh, absolutely anybody involved in it is going to be um, up against a lot of pressure. And, um, you know, a lot of them don't enjoy their life too, too, too much because despite all the money and the respect and blah, 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 they're always looking over the shoulder. That's not a way to live life. And when you mention looking over the shoulder, like for the last 12 to 18 months, um, Dublin particularly has been... Um, suffering from a feud that has taken quite a lot of lives of people in gangland. That's right, yeah, yeah, it's getting really bad. Um, it's the, kind of the worst it's been in uh, probably about six, seven years. And uh, I think there's one person dying every week, nearly almost sometimes. Um, it's getting pretty bad, yeah. And that, I think that's a really closely, closely related feud. I think there's, you know, families involved in that. Uh, I just hope that it ends, you know, and that... Uh, streets of Dublin are kind of safe again, you know. Yeah. So, John, I mentioned earlier, and, and you mentioned how you're in a position to be of influence 
to people in the traveller community and those that are less um, well off. Have you seen any people that you have interacted with indicating that they want to get involved in the arts interacting and that you've been able to help them along? Yeah, yeah, like literally, at this stage, probably hundreds of people, if not more, get in touch with me. People from working class communities and travellers, a lot of travellers have gotten in touch with me asking for pointers as to how, how to kind of go forward in their careers. And uh, I try to get back to every one of them and give them advice. Just tell them just to get into a good class first. You know, because a lot of people think that you can just go on a film set and start acting, you know, but um, I don't think that's the best advice to be given to anybody. Um, as I always tell them, just get in a good acting class first. See if you have a knack for it. See if you actually enjoy it. And then go forward then, you know. But uh, yeah, I have a lot of people getting in touch with me the last few years and uh, it's nice to see well, John, I'm going to wrap up here and I really appreciate the time you've taken and I want to give the coordinates for the fourth annual Irish Film Festival here in Ottawa. It's happening at the Arts Court on Two Daly Avenue and uh, it's running from Friday 23rd to Sunday the 25th. The opening night we have Kissing Candace, then 2pm on Saturday is Zoo, 5pm is Pilgrimage and then 8pm Saturday evening is Cardboard Gangsters and that follows on Sunday with The Breadwinner and at 5pm, The Maze, uh, which is a tremendous selection of films. And uh, I know the festival has continued to be very well supported and tends to sell out. So we're thrilled to have your performance coming up on the weekend. And when are you hitting Canada? When are you coming up to us? I'm going uh, Monday. Well, I'm going to Montreal first for a couple of days and then and then Ottawa. Right. Because Montreal, Montreal is going carbon as well. Montreal, Irish, sitting here. So going, yeah, going to hit both of them up. I'll be up there next week, Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. Right. Brilliant, man. Thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to your future work as well because based on what I've seen, I know it'll be fantastic. Thank you, Austin.